the 14th chapter, 14th chapter of the book of Genesis. Amen. The first war in the scripture. Amen. There was spiritual battle, of course, in the heavens when Satan was cast out with a third of the angels. Amen. But as far as the war upon the earth, this is the first war mentioned in the Scripture. Whenever we look at the uh, things that are first mentioned, which is a biblical hermeneutic, is a law of interpretation. A biblical hermeneutic, the law of interpretation, one of those laws is the law first mentioned. And so when you have things mentioned, especially in the book of Genesis, that are mentioned for the first time, they are very, very important because they are the seedbed of other things that will come. So this is the first mention of a war uh, in the Scripture. Genesis, the 14th chapter, as you read along with me. It came to pass in the days of Amraphel, king of Shinar, Arioch, king of Elisar, <coughs> Ketelamir, king of Elam, and Tidal, king of nations, that these made war with Bera, king of Sodom, and with Bersha, king of Gomorrah, Shinab, king of Adma, and Shemeber, king of Zeboam, and the king of Bela, which is Zoar. All these were joined together in the bowel of Siddim, which is the salt sea, or what we would know today is the Dead Sea. Verse 4, Twelve years they served Ketelamir, and in the thirteenth year they rebelled. And in the fourteenth year came Ketelamir, and the kings that were with him, and smote the Rephaim in Ashtaroth, Karnaim, and Zuzims in Ham, and the Emins in Shavet, Kiriathim, and the Horites in their mount, Seir, and El Paran, which is by the wilderness. And verse 7, And they returned and came to En Mishpat, which is Kadesh, and smote all the country of Amalekites, and also the Amorites that dwelt in has Azon Tamar. And there went out the king of Sodom, and the king of Gomorrah, and the king of Adma, and the king of Zeboam, and the king of Bela, the name of Zor. And they joined battle with them in the bowel of Siddim. With Ketelamir, the king of Elam, with Tidal, the king of nations, and Ramphel, king of Shinar, and Arioch, king of of Elisar, four kings with five. And the vale of Siddim was full of slime pits, and the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled and fell there, and they that remained fled to the mountains. They took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah, and all their victuals went and went their way, and they took Lot, Abram's brother's son, and dwelt in Sodom and his goods and departed. And there came one that had escaped and told Abram, the Hebrew, for he dwelt in the plain of Mamre, the Amorite, brother of Eschol, the brother of Anur, 
And these were confederate with Abram. When Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his trained servants born in his own house, 318, and pursued them unto Dan. He divided himself against them, he and his servants, by night, and smote them and pursued them unto Hobah, which is on the left hand of Damascus. And he brought back all the goods, and also brought again his brother Lot, and his goods, and the women also, and the people. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of Ketelamir and the kings that were with him at the valley of Sheba, which is the king's dale. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand. And he gave him tithes of all. And the king of Sodom said unto Abram, Give me the persons and take the goods to thyself. And Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted up my hand unto the Lord, the Most High God, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take from a thread even to a shoe latchet, and that I will not take anything that is thine, lest thou shouldest say, I have made Abram rich, save only that which the young men have eaten, and the portion of the men which went with me, uh, a near Eskol and Mamre, let them take their portion. Lord Jesus, we come before you right now. We thank you for your presence and power that's in this place. Thank you for your word, God, today in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, I take authority over every spirit, over imaginations, over thoughts, over every individual, Lord God, visible and invisible, that would seek to fight against your kingdom, Lord, and to do warfare against it. I thank you, Lord, as I release, God, the spirit of truth in this place. I take authority over the spirit of error. Lord Jesus, I re release the spirit of truth and also, God, today, understanding. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your ability, God, to anoint us to overcome anything and everything that we face. In the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, that you would be glorified today. Amen. You are seated in the name of the Lord. 14th chapter, First War, mentioned in the Scripture. Uh, it's very, very important to understand it. And you'll notice the setting is that this battle takes place right before the appearance of the priest king called Melchizedek. So this is a battle that is a prophetic battle. It is laying the groundwork for battles that will take place in the future before the arrival of the true priest king, Jesus Christ. Each one of these kings that are mentioned here, as we look here in the word of the Lord, are actually nations today that you'll be familiar with that will be involved in the last day battles before the priest king Jesus returns. So as we look in verse 1, it tells us it came to pass in the days of Am Amraphel, king of Shinar. This is the king of Babylon. Shinar is another term for Babylon. We have King uh, Arioch of Elisar. This would be uh, a king connected to Greece, 
And then we have Ketaleomir, king of Elam. Elam is uh, modern-day Iran. Are you with me here? And then we have king of Elam, title king of nations. This is connected to the Roman Empire. So as we look at these four kings then, we have kings that are connected to modern-day Iraq and Iran, also Greece and Rome, four of those kings. So this is, as I said, a prophetic picture of battles that will take place before Jesus Christ comes upon the earth. Now, as we look in the Bible, in the book of Daniel, these very powers and kingdoms are mentioned in the book of Daniel, in the seventh chapter and also Daniel chapter 2. We have Babylon, Medo-Persia, which is Iran. You with me here? We have Greece and we have the Roman Empire. And from the Roman Empire rises the Antichrist. And after his rise, in that seven-year tribulation period, Jesus Christ, the true priest king, will come back and defeat these powers. The God-man, Jesus, will defeat these powers of the end time and set up his kingdom, which is pictured here by this stone cut out of the mountain without hands, smiting this image at the feet, and then Jesus setting up his kingdom, which fills the whole world. So Daniel makes reference to these powers in Daniel 7 and Daniel chapter 2. Uh, and the coming of the Lord, defeating those powers. So it's very important for us to understand as we look at these battles, these various kings that I've preached to you about already are a picture and a type of the wars that will come in the end time uh, headed up by the Antichrist and others that will prepare for the coming of the Lord. We see these very powers right now, Iraq and Iran and Greece, Europe. Are you all with me here? Rome, all of these are in the world today. And there will be battles connected to them that will precede the coming of the Lord. So these are very, very important uh, things that we are studying here in the word of the Lord. Now, the Bible gives us the background here in the 14th chapter that these four kings go to war with the king of Sodom. And the reason why is because the Bible says that the king of Sodom was in submission to Ketaleomir, the king of Iran, for 13 years. Okay? So Sodom was willing to be a vassal of this king, Ketaleomir. But the Bible says in the 14th year that the king of Sodom rebels against Ketaleomir in the 14th year. Are y'all here with me? In the 13th year they rebelled, and in the 14th year... Then Ketaleomir goes to war with the king of Sodom. Are you with me here today? All right. If you look at it again, you'll see it. Verse 4 tells us that they served Ketaleomir uh, 13 years, and in the, or 12 years, and in the 13th year they rebelled. In verse 5, the 14th year came Ketaleomir and all the kings that were with him and smote these various peoples. Okay, do you understand? You get the setting here. All right, and the Bible will tell us that these four kings will eventually go and fight five kings that the king of Sodom has gathered. So it will be these four under Ketaleomir, the king of, of uh, Persia, that will fight against the king of Sodom and four other kings. Five against four, or you may say it this way, four 
against five. And the scripture is very clear here as to the way this was going to take place. These four kings under Ketelamir, are you with me here? The king of Elam. Back up because I don't want to lose you here. Verse 1, four kings are going to fight the king of Sodom because the king of Sodom is rebelling against Ketelamir. Does that make sense to you? Okay. So those four kings, the king of Babylon, Greece, Persia, and Rome, are going to fight against the five kings under Ketelamir. Uh, and so we see the king of Sodom fighting against the king of Babylon here in the passage. You all with me here? If you are, say praise the Lord. Now the Bible tells us the way that Ketelamir in his campaign to fight against the uh, rebellion of the king of Sodom, the way he approaches it is very strategic. He travels and he journeys in a circle around the Dead Sea area where the king of Sodom was located. He takes out all of the surrounding cities or most of those surrounding cities around the Dead Sea area uh, and uh, around Sodom and Gomorrah. All right, And then after he takes out those cities that are around Sodom and Gomorrah so they cannot render aid to the king, are you all with me? of Sodom after he takes care of those circumference cities then he will enter into the battle Ketelamir uh, a total of four of them will enter into battle with the king of Sodom and five of the kings so that's the setting here now the Bible tells us as we read it that Ketelamir defeats the king of Sodom now what's interesting here is this is that as this King Ketelamir goes forth with the other three kings, a total of four, he's fighting against five kings of Sodom. But yet, four is going to defeat five. And the reason is because the people that dwell in Sodom are not equipped to fight. The people in Sodom, you know, as we study the Word of God, we find out what kind of people live there. They were people that were, were heavily involved in sin, homosexuality, sodomy, all kinds of lust and sensual activity in Sodom. So whenever this king Ketelamir and the other three go to war with Sodom and the other four, total of five, Sodom is defeated because their lifestyle obviously does not promote being a good soldier. Okay? So even though we got five kings under the, uh, kettle, uh, under the king of Sodom, five against four, Sodom should win. But because of the lifestyle of those people in Sodom, they were not good soldiers. So all it took was four kings under Ketelamir to defeat the five. Right? And so, very practical teaching here is that it's not always numbers that determine outcome. Because four with Ketelamir defeat five connected with the king of Sodom. So numbers is, is not what brings the outcome. That's not what determines the victory or not. It's what kind of soldier is going to battle. So that when Ketelamir and the other three uh, uh, come against the king of Sodom for his rebellion, 
The king of Sodom has gathered his armies with him, but they are very rapidly defeated in battle because the king of Sodom has soldiers that are full of, of uh, sin in their life. So they are easily defeated. If you're going to be a soldier in the army of the Lord, then you cannot be a soldier in the army of the Lord and be victorious and successful if you've got sin in your life. If you've got sin in your life, uh, I don't care how many numbers you can gather together in a church. If that church is, is full of sin, uh, that church will not be victorious against the enemy. Because it's not the amount of people that are in that house, it's the quality of the people. It's not the number of soldiers that are in that house, it's what kind of soldier is in that house. And so the people that are connected with the king of Sodom are people who are weak. The Bible says the kind of lifestyle they lived was a kind of people they rose up to play. And, and, and the Bible tells us they were very idle people, very lazy people, uh, always looking for the party, always looking for a place to play. They were obviously connected with homosexuality and all kinds of sexual immorality in that city. So that when the enemy comes to attack them, they have no ability to fight because they're, if you will, they are not equipped to be good soldiers. Hallelujah. So this being the first war in the Bible, we need to take some things from it that will help us in our battle as we fight in the spirit world. If you and I live a lifestyle that is a lifestyle of comfort and ease and idleness and, and all we're looking for is the next party to attend. If my lifestyle is full of sin and I'm giving myself to the lust of the flesh, when the enemy comes down and attacks me, I don't care how many people are gathered in this place numerically, when the enemy comes against you, he will defeat you rapidly. So don't look at the numbers of any, any particular church. It's the, it's the kind of people that are in that church. People that are willing to fight. People that are willing uh, to become good soldiers will be effective. I'm going to preach to you whether you want to hear it tonight or not. Today or not. This is no time for uh, men and women in the church of the living God to become weak. Because I'm going to tell you something. The enemy is going to come against your life. It's going to come against your family. And I'm not talking about a physical soldier. You may have all kinds of ability physically. You may have physical training. You might have been in the army or the navy or the marines or, or whatever. Uh, but that's not what I'm talking about today. I could care less if you served in the physical armies uh, of this nation. What kind of soldier are you in the church of the living God? If you're not involved in living a disciplined life before God, a life of holiness before the Lord, I'm going to tell you where you are, although I really don't want to announce that, I will tell you that you are defeated right now. But the song that we sang was, the devil is defeated. He's defeated by the Lord Jesus Christ. Hear me what I'm saying. He's defeated by the Lord Jesus Christ, but is He defeated in your life? 
if you are not a good soldier uh, of Jesus Christ in the church, I will tell you when he comes against your life, he's going to take you out. You're going to be defeated. You're going to come and sit in the church pew and, you know, very little movement, very little action coming from you because you have been defeated throughout the week. You have given yourself to a lifestyle that is not conducive to being a soldier. Paul preached to Timothy one day and he says as a soldier of Jesus Christ he said be a good soldier of Jesus Christ so when we look at Ketelemir coming and attacking the kings connected with Sodom uh, the Sodomite uh, people are easily defeated because they are licentious people God wants us to be victorious in the battle Jesus is already victorious. I declare He is the victor today. But the question is, am I victorious? And I can't be victorious in this battle unless I am disciplined in my walk with God. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. And I thank God today for all of the praise. I thank God for all of the singing. I thank God for you speaking in tongues. But I'm going to tell you this in case you don't understand it. That speaking in tongues does not train you. In fact, worship does not even train you to be a good soldier. You can, you can speak in tongues and you can run and you can dance and you can shout. But that doesn't mean that you're a good soldier. What determines uh, if you're a good soldier or not is are you under the Lordship of Jesus Christ? Are you under His authority? Hallelujah. Not just a servant, but a soldier that's been trained by the Lord. Amen. There's going to be a lot of people, church, listen to me preach today. A lot of people that are not going to go to heaven that spoke in tongues. There's going to be a lot of people that are not going to go to heaven that sang in a church service. Because it's not about how many times, how much you speak in tongues. It's not about how many songs you sang. It's not about you coming and dancing and running and shouting. It's are you a trained servant of Jesus Christ? Are you a disciplined soldier of the Lord? Are you under His authority today? And if you're not... Then when the enemy comes down to attack us, he will be victorious over us. I will say it again. I know it may shock you, but you can speak in tongues and still go to hell. You can come to church and run and shout and everything else and still die and go to hell because Jesus is not the Lord over your life. He is not head in your life. You are you with me here today. Your lifestyle is not conducive to being a soldier of Jesus Christ. And this hour, you and I have to be ready to fight. We have to be disciplined in our life. Amen. We have to be under the headship and the lordship of Jesus Christ. You want to go. If you want to set a goal for your life, you know what your life goal should be? Your life goal and my life goal is number one, to submit to His Lordship. That is your life goal, and that's my life goal, is I'm going to submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. He will be Lord in my life. I will be a disciplined soldier. I'll live for Him. Amen. How are y'all with me here today? And number two, 
you will come under the dominion of the monotheistic God and the, the, the uh, authority of his theocracy. Let me say it again. Your life goal and my life goal is, number one, to come under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Make him head in your life. Number two, and number two has two parts to it. You will come under the dominion of his monotheism. And uh, are y'all here with me today? The authority of his theocracy. He's the king of kings and the lord of lords. That's your life goal. That's my life goal. If it's not yours, you're going to get defeated. Because the enemy's going to come down. And he's going to hit you hard. And if you're not ready, he's going to take you out. It's not how much I can speak in tongues. It's not how much I can sing. It's Jesus, Lord, in my life. That means when I leave this church house and I go to my house or I go to my job, He's still Lord. I'm still living like I'm supposed to live. I'm still living like Jesus is the King. I'm not playing the hypocrite. I'm not being one thing at church and another thing at home. I am a servant that's been trained. I'm under the authority of Jesus Christ. So if you've got a lifestyle that's like the lifestyle of Sodom, if I have that kind of lifestyle, the enemy will easily come and take you out. And it doesn't matter if you've got more, more against him. Amen. If it's five against four, you're still going to get defeated. Look at your neighbor and say, it's what kind of soldier you are. Say, praise the Lord. I didn't know I was going to be coming at you this way this morning. But I'm going to let the Lord, I'm going to let the Holy Ghost, I'm going to let the Holy Ghost speak through me today. Hallelujah. You're going to have to, and I'm going to have to be strong in the Lord. And in the power of His might. It is not time to play games. It's not time to look for the next party. It's not time to be idle. It's not time to be weak. It's not time to be giving ourselves to a life of licentious sin and ungodliness. It's time to be a soldier of Jesus Christ. How many in this church today, you're still in the fight? I'm asking you, are you still in the fight? Or, or has the enemy already captured you? Has the enemy already taken you captive? The Bible tells me that when Kedileomir defeats the king of Sodom, he goes in and he takes all the possessions of Sodom. He takes not only the possessions of Sodom, but Kedileomir and his coalition take all the people of Sodom. And not only that, but the Bible's very clear he takes Lot. We saw Lot in the previous preaching last Sunday that Lot had made his way, pitched his tent towards Sodom, and now we see Lot is in Sodom. He never built an altar. He never had an altar before God like Abraham. Are you with me? He didn't care about spiritual things. And so the Bible tells us being a carnal man, by the way, who knew about the one God. Lot knew about the, the one God of Abraham. Lot had been trained about the one God, monotheism. Lot knew about this one God, but his lust caused him to be captured in the city of Sodom.
Are y'all with me here today? And so the Bible tells us that not only is the possessions of Sodom taken and the people of Sodom taken by Kedileamir, but also Lot is taken. Now, Lot is the brother of Abraham. What do you say? The Bible says he's his nephew. Yeah, but Abraham said he's my brother. So we see because of a, a lustful spirit that had overtaken Lot, he takes his family over into Sodom, the world. And the Bible says as he's there in Sodom, he becomes a prisoner of war. I'm talking about the brother of Abraham, specifically the nephew of Abraham, who knew about the one God of the Bible, but he is a picture of a carnal Christian who has been captured. He's a prisoner of war. I'm going to preach it to you. I, I pray today that the Word of God just, just wakes you up into reality today. You can have a revelation of the oneness of God. You can understand that. But that doesn't mean that your lust might not overcome you and you become a captive to this world. Lot, a carnal Christian, if you will, was captured by Sodom in the sense that he took up their lifestyle and moved into that wicked and ungodly city. Now the Bible tells us that he is, he is captured, becomes a prisoner of war in the passage. Now what is interesting, the Bible tells us that as Ketelamir uh, and his coalition of four, including himself, goes to fight against the king of Sodom and Sodom, uh, their five, coalition of five, um, the Bible tells us that he wins the battle. Ketelamir does. And he takes the people, the possessions, and Lot. What was the defeat of Sodom? Why did Sodom, and I've already told you because of their lifestyle, yes, but I'm talking about in the battlefield. In the field of battle. What caused these weak soldiers to be defeated even though they outnumbered Ketelamir? Well, the Bible's very clear. It was the slime pits. So as we look at it, the Bible tells us here, look very carefully, in verse 10, in the vale of Siddim, it was full of slime pits, and the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled and fell there. They should not have fallen there. The slime pits should have been to their advantage, brothers and sisters. But they are the ones who fell. They fell in the trap. They fell where they should have been victorious. Does this make sense to you today? See, the slime pits were there uh, to, are y'all here with me? So the enemy would be defeated. No, not so Sodom would, Sodom would be defeated. But the Bible says when Sodom goes out into the battle, they fall into the slime pits. And as they fall into the slime pits, obviously they're trapped, and Catalaramir defeats the king of Sodom and his coalition. Are you with me here today? Because he fell into the slime pits. The point being is, there are things in this world, the slime pits of this world, are placed there by God, not to trap you, or not to trap me. They are placed there to trap the enemy. 
And if you and I are not living the way we're supposed to, if we're not the kind of soldier that we need to be, the traps that the, that the Lord has put for the enemy's defeat become the traps for us. God never meant the slime pits to trap you or the slime pits to trap me. He meant the slime pits. He placed them there to trap the enemy. But the slime pits trapped those they weren't made to trap because the people were not where they should be. Are y'all with me here today? Hallelujah. Give God a hand clap of praise. The Lord has slime pits in this world for the enemy to fall into. Are y'all with me here today? But a lot of times it's the Christian that's fallen in the slime pits. And the enemy's coming in and defeating us because we're in the slime pits. We say, well, we fell in the slime pit. The Lord says, I didn't put them there for you to fall in. I put them in, put them there so the enemy would fall in. Give God praise in this house. I didn't put, the Lord comes and says, I didn't put that trap there for you to get trapped. I put that trap there for the enemy to get trapped. So that Sodom and his coalition fell in the very slime pits that should have been their advantage. See, they had the advantage of number. They had the advantage of the slime pits. But the number didn't help them and the slime pits didn't help them. I'm telling you today, I'm going to preach to you if i got to get it right up up in your face. I said, if i got to get it right up in your face, and I'm not mad at you, but I'm just telling you today, some of you are at ease in Zion. You don't fight anymore. You say, well, I've been through a lot of battles, Pastor. Well, so have I. And it's not time to make excuses. Hallelujah. It's time to fight the good fight of faith. It's not time to fall in the traps that God has placed in this world for the enemy to be trapped. It's time to use them for our advantage. It's time to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. I haven't stopped fighting. And when the enemy comes against your mind, he comes against my mind. He comes against your mind all the time. Imaginations. You know, he tells you you're weak, you're defeated. All of these things come. You're not called, whatever. You know what you got to do? You got to counter that. If he starts speaking lies to you, you got to say, In the name of the Lord God, I belong to you, Jesus. I belong to you. I'm called by your name. I'm your man. If you're a woman of God, you need to say, I'm your woman, God. I'm not going to listen to the lies of the enemy that's coming against my mind. He will say, your prayer is doing no good. Your worship's doing no good. He will tell you, come on, living for God doesn't do any good. I'm here to tell you, you got to counteract that, uh, that strategy from the enemy and say, I belong to God. I'm a man of God. I'm a woman of God. Hallelujah. I've been called by God and I'm not going to be defeated in this battle the devil is defeated and you shouldn't be if the devil's defeated you shouldn't be the devil should be in the pit he should be in the pit not you he should be in the slime not you God placed him there so that you would have an advantage over the enemy so he would get trapped Give God a hand clap of praise. But we see according to the word of the Lord, 
that Sodom and his coalition of total of five are defeated by Kedileomir and his four. The Bible, God help me today. I've got zeal. If there's something I can't stand, is a lukewarm carnal Christian. Because you will become a prisoner of war. You are captured. You should be fighting. Hallelujah. You shouldn't be in the pit right now in the slide. Get up out of that pit. Get out of it. Get out of the pit of despair. Get out of the pit of discouragement. Get out of the pit of lies. Somebody say praise the Lord. So as I look at this, I also need to bring to your attention that the enemy is at war with himself. Because obviously, Catalemir, the king of Persia, and the other kings, the king of Rome, and the king of Greece, and the king of Babylon, these four, they are not kings of God. The kings of Sodom are obviously not the kings of God. So what we see here is a picture that in warfare, the enemy is at war with himself. Do you understand that? See, there's some preachers will stand up and say that the kingdom of darkness is in unity against the kingdom of God. Let me bring some clarification to you. There is no unity in the kingdom of darkness. There is no friendship among demons. Shira, I feel the Holy Ghost. Demons are not friends with demons. They are at war with each other. There's no unity in the kingdom of God, uh, the kingdom of darkness, in the kingdom of God, yes, but not in the kingdom of darkness. Demons aren't friends of demons. They're not in unity. Does that make sense to you? Hallelujah. They're at war with themselves. Hallelujah. Y'all hearing this today? Then if there's no unity in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of darkness, and they are at war with themselves, as we see laid out in this, in this passage here, kings of the world at war with kings of the world, then, then what do they have? They don't have unity. They have uniformity, which means this. They have a common goal, and that is to come against the kingdom of God and what belongs to God. They are in uniformity in that purpose of fighting God and fighting me, but they're not in unity. They're at war with each other. Do you understand what I'm saying? What you have in the kingdom of darkness then is uniformity, not unity. They have a common goal to defeat the kingdom of God and the kingdom, and you included. Hallelujah. But they're not in unity when they do this. They're at war with each other. They hate each other. Let me just put it to you this way. The people that are confined to hell are not at peace with each other. The spirits that are confined to hell are not at peace with each other. The lost are not at peace with each other. They can't be. I told somebody not long ago, we had a young lady, a young lady uh, here that uh, the enemy got a hold of and she raised up some problems for her family and, and she's a teenage girl and she ended up leaving the house. And uh, she ended up with various people, you know, in this process. And uh, I'm not going to get into all the details here. It's not necessary. But she ended up in a, another home and she was living in another home while she was in rebellion against God and against her own mother. And I told this mother, this sister here in the church, I said, let me tell you this. 
If you think it's all wonderful and peaceful there, I tell you it will fall apart. And it did. I said it did. It fell apart. So she had to go to somewhere else. Are you with me? And that fell apart. You know why? Because the people, hallelujah, that, that are uh, do things the way the world does them, they're not at peace with each other. They will fight each other. I promise you. When you look at those situations and you think, well, they left this place to go to another place and it must be all happy and wonderful there. I'm telling you, it's not reality. They are in war. They are in battle against each other because those people that are confined to the regions of hell are not at peace. Hallelujah to the land. They are at war with each other. The only place you're going to find peace and unity is in the church of the living God. You're not going to find it in a backslider's house. You're not going to find it in, in the world's home. You're going to find it in the church. So if somebody leaves the church and they get all bent, you know, out of shape and they go off and they leave God, leave the church and whatever and connect with people in the world, you think, well, man, they're having a good time. No, they're not. They're at war with themselves and they're at war with everybody else at the same time. And it will fall apart because it can't work that way. Are y'all with me here today? So we see these kings of the world at war with each other. There's no unity in the kings of the world. Hallelujah. They're trying to bring about unity, one world government, one world peace, one world religion, one world economy, all that. It's all going to fall apart. Because the Prince of Peace is not ruling over their kingdom. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. We got God in here. You got God in you. And we still have to deal with the strife. Are y'all here with me today? You got God in you and you still have strife in your house. So how in the world do you think that people that are connected to themselves in, in the world confined to hell and lost are at peace with each other? They're not. They're at war. There's no unity there. There's uniformity. They might be in agreement together against God and against the church, but they're not in unity. They just have a common way. They have a common ideology. They have a common... Um, goal in life uh, and that's to be against God and against the church that's what brings them together birds of a feather flock together but there's no unity there and there is no peace there they're just in uniform they're uniform uh, against the kingdom of God and the work of God that's what brings them together do you hear what I'm saying so there's no unity in the kingdom of darkness there's uniformity and there's also authority in the kingdom of darkness, they recognize authority. Now that doesn't mean that they, they necessarily want to submit to that authority in the kingdom of darkness, but they do recognize authority in that realm. Are y'all hearing the word of the Lord today? These uh, soldiers that are in these armies of the kings of the world to recognize they got a king over them. They recognize they have authority over them. But there's no unity there. Are y'all with me here today? And this is the kind of battle that you and I are fighting. We're fighting against principalities and powers that are uniform in their desire to destroy God's kingdom in you. But they're not in unity. They have authority there. Are y'all with me? But they're fighting among themselves. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? 
And so we have been thrust into a battle, like it or not. I'm going to say it again. You've been thrust into a battle, like it or not. You can sit there and fold your arms and say, well, I'm not going to fight. You're still in the battle. So Sodom couldn't defeat Ketelamir and his coalition. And so the Bible tells me, because of Lot being captured, the brother of Abraham being captured, the man of God steps in. Look at your neighbor and say, the man of God. The man of God steps in. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. The man of God's name is Abraham. The man of God is going to do what five armies could not do. You take one holy man. You take one holy woman committed and dedicated to God. Desiring to live a holy life before the Lord. One woman of God, one man of God can do what five armies cannot do. You get God on your side and you can do what five armies can't do. Hallelujah to the Lamb. So the Bible says Abraham is thrust into this battle like it or not because his, by natural, by natural terminology, his nephew has been, has become a prisoner of war. His nephew has been captured. That's the only reason why Abraham is going to get involved in this battle, this man of God. And so the Bible says what happens in verse 12. Are y'all with me here? And they took Lot, Abram's brother's Son and dwelt in Sodom, uh, 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 who dwelt in Sodom and his goods and departed. Everything was taken. In verse 13, and there came one that had escaped and told Abram, the Hebrew, for he dwelt in the plain of Mamre, the Amorite, brother of Eschol and the brother of Aner. These were confederate with Abram. All right, amen. And when Abram heard that his brother was taken, Notice it doesn't say his nephew was taken. That's true. But the Bible says Abram's brother was taken. Hallelujah to the Lamb. The brother has been taken. The brother is now a prisoner of war. The brother has been taken captive. Why? Because his lust, his carnality. You with me here today? Hallelujah. Why is he captured? Why is he captured? Because of ignorance. He doesn't know the place of the coming of the Lord. He doesn't understand uh, uh, what God's call is. He knows the one God. I'm talking about Lot here. He knows about the one God. He's a monotheistic believer. But he doesn't understand. He's been taken captive because of ignorance. There are a lot of people in the church of the living God. If I could preach this all over the world, I'd preach it all this world. There are people today who have been taken captive that have a revelation of who God is. They are y'all with me? They used to attend church. They were uh, associated with the people of God, but they have been taken captive because of their ignorance. Lot was taken captive because of their of his ignorance. Hallelujah to the Lamb. 
Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. There are a lot of people, friend, that used to be in the truth of not just church members of a denomination, but brothers and sisters who once were in the kingdom of God and were in the truth. They've been captured because of ignorance. Lot was captured because of his ignorance. He was taken captive. So the Bible tells us as we look at it very carefully that this carnal Christian taken captive, hallelujah, a prisoner of war, Abram is going to get involved. He's the Hebrew, the Bible says. Tells us who he's associated with, who's confederate with him in verse 14. And when Abram heard that his brother was taken, look at your neighbor and say, his brother was taken. That's a brother in the Lord. That brother's been taken captive. Why? Because of his ignorance. Or because of her ignorance. She's been taken captive. Are y'all here with me? She belongs to God. He belongs to God. But because of their ignorance, they are not walking in fellowship with God. They have become prisoners of war. They've been taken captive. Give the Lord praise in the house. So the Bible doesn't call Lot the nephew of Abraham. The Bible calls him the brother of Abraham. That's my brother. That's my sister. Abram said, I've got to go and I've got to capture the captive. I've got to go down and I've got to fight this battle against the enemy. And I've got to recover my brother. Hallelujah. Are y'all with me here today? Give God some praise. If you hear the word of the Lord, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Let me just say it to you this way. When somebody goes away from the Lord and they are captured by the enemy, become a prisoner of war, we need to let it play out. Because if they don't want to be delivered, and I interfere before the time, I will lose them back to the world. You hear what I'm saying? Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm not coming against you. I'm just telling you something. You better be in tune with what I'm preaching to you today about. I told a woman in this church, she wanted so bad to get involved with that situation I was telling you about earlier. The, this young daughter left the church and got connected with people, so on and so forth. It all fell apart. Are y'all with me? And the sister in the Lord kept, kept coming to me saying, Pastor, she wanted to do something. She wanted to get involved. I said, don't touch it. Don't interfere until she gets to the end of herself. It was hard for that mama to listen to what I was telling her. I said, but you have to leave it alone until she repents and comes to the end of herself. But pastor, but pastor, I said, this is what I'm telling you. If you want a, a good outcome, don't interfere. Hallelujah to the Lamb. And I said to her, I said, when it's time, you'll know it. When it's time, you will step in in recovery mode but do not do it before the time give the lord praise so she waited patiently 
and she was hurting because she was separated from her daughter. Are y'all here with me today? Mama was hurting on the inside, but she believed what God said to her, and she refused to interfere and try to bail out her daughter until her daughter got to a place and said, I want to come home. I want to do what's right. Are y'all with me here today? Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. When she came to the end of herself, now you shift into recovery mode. Because the person wants to be recovered. When they want to be recovered, you shift into recovery mode. If they don't want to be recovered, you're wasting your time. Are y'all with me here today? So lots over there living in Sodom. Abraham, are y'all with me here? He gets the news that his, his brother Lot has been captured by the enemy. And so now Abraham looks at it. And he says, it's time to recover. It's re recovery mode time. Are y'all with me here? Hallelujah. When that takes place, when you get to that point, you don't say they deserve what they're getting. You don't say Lot deserves what he's getting because look at the way he's been acting. You don't say that when it's recovery time. Because that's not going to help you to bring up all the past. Hear your pastor. The person has come to the end of themselves. They have been a prisoner of war. They've had enough of the world. And so now you see that. Step in. You see God opening the door. You see God working it out. So now you can step in for recovery mode. And when you are involved in the recovery mode, when the person is repentant, then don't bring up what they did. They know what they did. You know what they did. It's not time for that. It's time to say, do you want to make it back to God? Do you want to be, be free? Hallelujah to the Lamb. Give the Lord praise. And then you can, you can take that action and take that time to begin to recover. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Hallelujah. Give God praise in the house. We have, we have first-hand experience with this. It's not just something I tell, I've told somebody outside of what we've gone through. We have first-hand experience with this. Uh, hallelujah. When mine made their way back, thank you, Jesus, for that. I did not bring up uh, the past. In fact, hardly ever do bring up the past. Maybe every once in a while, you know, we kind of laugh about it. But I don't bring it up. I don't hold it over their head. Because they've made it back. They're no longer prisoners of war. They're no longer captured by the enemy. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Abraham didn't say, Lot, you deserve it. He didn't say you get what you get because of what you've done. He said it's time to recover the man. He's already been through it. He's already been captured. He's a prisoner of war. His life is hanging in the balance. But it's time to recover. You hear what your pastor's saying? 
When it comes to that time, you don't even talk about what they did. Hallelujah. Let's just say, praise the Lord, praise God. I'm just glad that God gave you the victory and that you're back because I don't really want to know all the details, to be honest with you. I don't want to know everything you did. Is anybody hearing what I'm preaching today? But there is a process. So when the person goes to the world and become, they, they are taken captive by the enemy because of their ignorance, they're going to go through stuff. Hallelujah. God's going to make sure they go through stuff. He won't leave them alone because He's trying to get them back in the kingdom. He won't leave them alone. There'll be all kinds of problems and disagreements between friends and girlfriends and boyfriends and all of that stuff. It'll all fall apart. Hallelujah. Thank God it'll fall apart. It'll fall to pieces. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. And in some cases, you're going to watch it unfold right before your very eyes. You're going to say, I see the Lord. He shut that door on them. He shut that door on them. Oh, they have a problem with a friend. Thank you, Jesus. They lost their job. Thank you, Jesus. Give God a hand clap of praise. And you want, I want to help them. I want to help them. Oh, thank you, Jesus. God's getting their attention, praise God. Just let them go on and have their trouble. Let them go on and have their problem. Because God is using that to bring them to a place where they can be recovered. So today I look up and I see this young lady. Man, I mean, you you have no idea why I know. And I see her, and that one was that, that mother, that sister was willing to follow that direction. And when it came time for recovery mode, they stepped in and they did that recovery mode. And there were still some battles going on in relationship to that I'm not going to get into details on. Are you all here with me? And I've been watching this thing, watching her. And you know what she's doing today? She was in the front, in the front pew. In the front pew with some other young people dancing and praising and worshiping God. She made up her own mind. It wasn't mama making up her mind. It wasn't daddy making up her mind. She made up her own mind after she had experienced captivity after she had experienced being a prisoner to the world for a while when she got back in the church she loves it who thinks she's thankful today hallelujah that she's no longer in that captivity and when they get to that place you don't even talk about what they did you talk about hey god's doing great things in your life Hallelujah. You got the victory, victory, victory in Jesus. That's hallelujah. We sing in that song, victory, victory, victory in Jesus. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. You won't have to look at him anymore and say, why don't you worship God? Why don't you get off the pew? Now they're in love with Jesus now. They're in love with the church now. They have understanding that they didn't have before. They were captured. Amen. Sad to say that not everybody is recovered, but thank God for the ones that are recovered. So Abraham says, He's my brother. Give the Lord a hand clap. When you're waiting on God, it's the hardest thing you'll ever do. 
It may turn into one month, two months, six months. It may even go longer than that. But you're going to wait on God to bring them to a place. It's recovery time. And when it's recovery time, that's when you're going to step in. When it's recovery time, that's when you're going to go to battle. Hallelujah. That's when you're going to defeat the enemy. And you're going to bring them home. You're going to bring the prodigal home. You're going to bring the captive home. When it's God's time. If they want to talk about it, let them. But you don't hold it over the head. Abraham didn't hold it over the head. He said, that's my brother. They made it back. So let me, just, let me share something with you today that will be helpful to this church. If you see a prodigal that has come and gone, come and gone, come and gone, come and gone, when they make it back for real and they are recovered, you better rejoice. I said, you better rejoice. You, you let the pastor be the one that, that is, is observing the situation, okay? And, and, and discerning whether or not it's real or not. You let the pastor take care of that. But when it comes to you, you rejoice that they made it back. Hallelujah. Because if you don't do that, then what's going to happen if you got a prodigal in your life? Is anybody even going to care? Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. We don't want him to be defeated. We don't want him to be lost. We don't want him to go to hell. If they make it back to God and they get for real in the kingdom of God, that's what's important. Rejoice! Jesus! Are you glad? Are you thankful today that God kept you in the house? Because if it wasn't for God, you would have backslid. If it wasn't for God, I would have backslid. If it wasn't for God, it could all collapse and fall apart on any one of us anytime if it wasn't for the Lord. Any one of you today could lose your mind and become a captive, a prisoner of war due to ignorance. Hallelujah. Are you thankful for the grace of God, His keeping power? So God has got a God-man. And this God-man is going to go and get his brother. Hallelujah. Defeat the enemy and recover his brother. Give the Lord another hand clap because God is good. <laughs> Abram's a holy man. Abram's a holy man. He's been living holy. He's a, he's a monotheistic believer, one God believer. Living holy before the Lord, seeking the truth of God. And His family and His, his servants that are there. Are y'all with me? I promise you the people of Sodom didn't have anything to do with Him. Because of their lifestyle. They didn't want anything to do with that man Abraham. That's a holy man. He lives different than the way we live. They didn't have any desire to, to know Him, to be in fellowship with Him. But when they got in trouble, Abraham, we need your help. You with me here today? See, the people that ridicule us and, and, and make fun of us and everything else, when they get in trouble, they're going to look for somebody to help them. 
And I want you to know it takes a lot of grace to help somebody that's mouthed and run you down and, and lied on you. Hallelujah to the Lamb. It takes a lot of grace to get involved and try to help them be recovered when they've let you have it. But Abraham could have said, well, he didn't treat me right. I'm not getting involved. But he didn't. He said, I'm going to get involved. Our brother's at stake. And the people, the very people of the world, they don't want anything to do with you because you're the oddball on the block. When they get in trouble, who do they come to? Will you pray for my so and so? Will you pray for my family member? Will you pray for my friend? Well, are y'all with me here? They come to the very ones that they ridicule and seek help from them. Hallelujah. Get your head in what I'm preaching. Get your head in what I'm preaching. You're going to need this today. You're going to need grace to help people when they need to be recovered. The very ones that ran you down. And they're going to come and hallelujah to you and you're going to have to lay hands on them and you know what they've been saying about you. Jesus deliver them. They hate me, but Jesus deliver them. You know what I mean. Hallelujah to the Lamb. That's the way you convert enemies, make friends. How you lay hands on them and you know they hate your guts, amen. They don't want you to even touch them, you know. Jesus deliver them. Jesus deliver them. Hallelujah to the Lamb. That's Abraham. See, he knew when it was time to recover and he knew when he needed to exercise grace when he wasn't necessarily treated right. There was strife in that family. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Okay, real fast. Hallelujah, i got to come to a close here. And Abraham heard that his brother was taken captive. He armed his trained servants. Born in his own house, 318. Say his trained servants. What did Abraham first do? He armed them. He gave them weapons of war. He didn't just say, come on, we're going to go and fight. He said, here's a weapon, take it. Here's a weapon, take it. Here's a weapon, take it. Here's a weapon, take it, take it, take it, take it. Take these weapons. I'm arming you. I'm giving you weapons to fight with. Come on. Hallelujah. I'm giving you tools to fight with. Let's go. In the name of Jesus. I'm not, I'm not just calling you to go fight. I'm showing you how. I'm giving you a, a weapon, friend. Let's go to battle. I'm arming you. I'm arming you. I'm arming you. Abram gave those 318 servants weapons to fight with implements to do battle with I will tell you right now if you are fighting against your pastor that is the stupidest thing that you could ever do in your life that is the stupidest thing you could ever do in your life to isolate yourself and to get better towards your pastor stupidest thing you could ever do in your life because that's the man that's going to equip you with weapons of war implements to fight with dumb 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 Well, I'll have fellowship with the pastor's wife, but not the pastor. Dumb, dumb, dumb. Stupidest thing you could ever do. Hallelujah. Because you got resentment towards your pastor because the way he treated some of your family members. Dumb. I promise you when they walk back through the door and need deliverance, there's going to be a pastor lay his hand on their head and pray a prayer of deliverance and they're dumb, dumb, dumb. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. 
I just don't understand, Pastor, why he handled that situation like he did. Dumb. Don't even question it. Trust God. If I make a mistake, God can fix it. Hallelujah to the Lamb. It's not your place to judge your pastor. It's not your place. Because he's trying to help you be victorious. He's trying to help you go to heaven. He's trying to help you fight the fight. He wants your kids to go to heaven and not to hell. He wants your family saved. Abram arms those servants. And the Bible says that there are 318 of them. That's small. That's big for a family. It's almost as big as some of your families. Three hundred and eighteen servants in a household. That's a big family. That's a lot of servants. Hallelujah. Only got one servant, my wife. I'm just kidding. Woo. Don't worry, God just He won't let me get away with it. <laughs> Amen. You know, some people I know they joke around, you know, they say they tell their wives Make me some food, servant. I want to tell you something. When I say that to my wife, I get convicted. <laughs> bring, bring me a glass of ice water, servant. I mean, I get convicted, man, when I do that. I mean, you know, hallelujah. Amen. But he had 318 servants. That's a big house, but a small army. Remember, five kings have already been defeated by these four. But this man of God is going to go to war against these four armies with only 318 not servants, trained servants. See, it's not the, the people in the church that just come and sit today and come and sit in the church and they love to be here. They love to be here in church with you. Amen? But those that are with you oftentimes are not with you. I'll say it again. I told you this at the beginning of, of last year, a year ago. I said, there's going to be people that you see right now, they're not going to be here next year. I told you that. Now, that I don't say that's a prophetic word. You know, I could say that this year. The same thing's going to happen again. But what I'm telling you, I'm giving you an understanding today that just because people show up to church doesn't mean they're with you. Hallelujah. Say praise the Lord. But you get, they're not, hallelujah. See, there's some people that come to church, they're servants. They'll serve. They'll come to church, come to this house, they go to their own house, uh, you know. But they're really not wanting to get involved. They're not really with you. Amen. Come on, somebody. A trained servant is somebody that's really with you in the church. It's somebody that'll go to battle with you when the fight comes. How many trained servants are in this house? See, let me just say it to you this way. If I'm going to go to battle or you're going to go to battle... You want to make sure the people that go to battle with you are trained servants. See, if I go to battle with you, hallelujah, and I'm not a trained servant, or if you go to battle with me, hallelujah, and you're not a trained servant, somebody's going to die in the battlefield. 
Are y'all with me here today? So everybody that comes to church, just shows up to church, those aren't the people that you're going to want to take to battle with you because they'll get you killed. When you go to battle, you want some people that you know when you get in battle that they're going to make good decisions. When you get in battle, they're going to help you fight. When you get in battle, they're not going to get you killed. Hallelujah to the Lamb. If you can receive it, Okay, and I'm not trying to make it complicated, but there's a lot of people that want to come and fly or come under a banner. Hallelujah. But they don't necessarily want to come under your authority. Abraham had servants in his house. They lacked the benefits of that house. But there were some other servants when it was time to fight. They knew how to fight. They didn't just have the ability to serve in the house. They knew how to fight. They were trained to fight. Give the Lord praise. They weren't just flying under his banner if you understand what I'm saying happy to be in his house because of the blessings that were there they were under his authority when you go to battle you better make sure if you're the man of God or the woman of God you better make sure that the people that are with you are not just there because they like the benefits make sure that the people that are with you are going to fight make sure that the people are with you if you have authority over a certain situation make sure those people are under that authority give the Lord a hand clap of praise they're not just servants. They're trained servants. They're under authority. They're rightly submitted. Give God praise in this house. Amen. I want you to pray for me. Right now the Lord is beginning to do things, at least as far as I can tell, as much as in me to know the will of God. God is doing things right now, amen, uh, to prepare for something in the near future. And uh, I told uh, a person, I said, here's what we need to know. I said, number one, you need to know if I'm sent. And number two, I need to know if you're sent. Because if I'm not sent and you get connected with me, big trouble. Are you with me? And if you're not sent and I get connected with you in this kind of endeavor, we're going to get in trouble. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Jesus' name. Do you understand what your pastor's saying? What I'm telling you is it wasn't just any servant in the church. It was trained servants that went to battle with Abraham. People that, people that were with him. People. When you look up, you don't have to worry. Oh, where'd brother go? Here comes the enemy. Where's brother so-and-so? Well, he lacked the benefit of the church, but he didn't, like, he didn't want to fight. Where is he? He was supposed to be here. He claimed to be called to preach. Where is he? Not a trained servant. Not under authority. Not, not rightly submitted. Are y'all with me here today? And those people get you killed. Give me a servant that will fight with me. Jerry, come here. 
If I'm going into battle, I want some men like Itaraboko in this side, on this side, on this side. I want some men like this. When I go to battle, man, they're going to help me fight. Praise God. I know they were born in this house. Let me say it to you again. The Bible says they were born in his house. He knew what they were about. Give God worship in this house. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. 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 I said hallelujah. I told my daughter back there. I said, daughter, I said, we just want to make sure we got things covered here. We'll make sure things are taken care of, all right? We want to make sure everything's the way it's supposed to be and the order is supposed to be. I said, the first thing, I said, I don't know everything you've experienced. I don't know everything in your past. I said, but the, the one thing that you need to do is you need to come under the authority of Jesus' name. My daughter said, yes, I'll be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. I took my daughter, hallelujah, and baptized her in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Say, praise the Lord. I know where she is. Amen. She's not just Johnny come lately coming from the outside in hallelujah hallelujah she is a part of this house and see you didn't even know that but God knows what he's doing give the Lord a hand clap of praise and when I say my daughter I'm not talking about my natural daughter say give the Lord a hand clap of praise I said give the Lord a hand clap of praise we got to know. I said, we got to know. We got to know. So the Bible said they were born in this house. 318 servants. And Abram equipped them. Amen. They were trained. You can sit down and thank you. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When I go to war, especially in big battles, I want to know who's with me. Come on. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. You, you want, you want to go to battle with somebody? You know, they've enjoyed all the benefits and everything. Hallelujah. And then you go to battle with them and you look up and they're nowhere to be found. You want that? No, you get killed. So you get killed. You want somebody you know you can trust. Somebody dependable. Somebody that's submitted rightly to authority. They're under the headship of Jesus. The headship of Jesus. The Lordship of Jesus. Is this helping anybody? So the Bible says, 318, small army. But, I told you before, it's not the amount of people, it's the kind of soldier. So you can take 318 trained servants, hallelujah, headed up by a God-man, the man of God, and 318 servants can defeat an army, four armies, where five armies couldn't defeat them. Because you've got some true soldiers with Abram. Amen? See, I've always, and I, this is the way I've always pastored. Hallelujah. For those of you who will eventually pastor, let me share this way I've always pastored. If they're not with you, don't try to cater to them. You with me? Don't make it easy. Don't, don't, you don't, don't, don't pastor them, you know, handling them. Yeah, sometimes you gotta handle people with care. I know that. But, but see, if that's all you do is just worried about, are they gonna leave me? 
I'm worried if they're going to leave me, so I'm going to be very careful around it because I'm worried they're going to leave me. I'm going to tell you something, they're going to leave you anyway. I said they're going to leave you anyway. You have to take a stand for what is right. If they leave, they leave. If you didn't tell them the truth, if you didn't train them right, if you didn't handle them, uh, amen, praise God, as a soldier, so they'll know when they get in the fight, it's going to be hard, it's not going to be easy. And you're always trying to make it easy for them so you can keep them in the church. You don't have them anyway. Tell them the truth. Preach the truth to them. If they get offended and leave, they're not going to stay with you anyway. Hallelujah. Let it be tested. Let it be proven. Let it be trained. Hallelujah. So uh, people come and go. People come and go. People come and go. It's not going to change the way I pastor. Amen. Now I want to grow. Hallelujah. I don't want to be a, you know, I don't be foolish. I want to grow as a pastor. I want to be able to help people and, and work with people better than I have in the past. But when it comes for, uh, to right and wrong, no compromise here. Amen. And if that don't work for you, you're going to have to find some other place that will. I'm telling you again, if it don't work for you, you're going to have to find a place that will work for you. Because God, are y'all with me here today? I see the fruits of a ministry. I see the fruits of a call of God. And if you don't like it, go somewhere else. I'm not telling you to leave. I'm just telling you in this kind of battle, it's got to be people that are for real. Hallelujah. Not people that are easily offended. Not people that are going to run off and leave you anyway. People that have been tested. People that have been trained. People you know are going to stick with you. When I was assistant pastor to Brother Purcell in Crane, Texas many years ago, he told me about when they go out uh, in, in, in the battleships. He was a Navy, Navy man. They go out in the battleships. They get a brand new ship. And they take that ship out and they would fire those missiles, fire those, uh, what do you call them? Those shells. Fire those shells out of those gunners. They fired those shells through those gunners, those guns, until they turned red hot the first time. Brother Vassell told me he, he, he's no longer even with us anymore. Brother Vassell told me he said the reason why they would do that Brother Carter is they would go into the battlefield and fire those guns until they turned red hot. He said because before we get in battle we want to make sure the gun's tested. We want to make sure the gun's proven before we get in the fight. Because if we are in battle and the guns fail when we're in battle, amen, obvious outcome. But if we've tested and we've proven those guns are not going to fail when we get in the battle, when we go to battle, we can fire those guns. We know their limits. Are y'all with me here today? And that's what I'm trying to help you understand. There's got to be people in the kingdom of God in this hour that have been proven and tested. And they've gone through some red hot things. They've been in some battles with you. Hallelujah. They have not failed when it got hot in the name of Jesus is this blessing anybody here today when you fire rapidly through those gunners until they become red hot to, to prove and test them if they're worthy for battle I want you to know when you see that you think man this thing is about to they're going to melt but if they can withstand that test 
They will never face anything in the battle at that level. Are y'all with me? So as a pastor, I'm not just trying to get you to heaven. I'm trying to train you. I want to be trained. I'm trying to train you to fight. And when, when I allow you to go through tests or allow you to go through trials and don't run in there and bail you out, you have to go through some stuff because you're going to face much more in the battlefield. Amen. Possibly. But if we can, hallelujah, give God praise. If we allow you to go through severe trial and severe tests and don't try to come in there before the time, when we get when it gets in battle, we don't have to worry about you. You've been tested. You've been proven. We know what you think. We know what kind of mind you have. We know what kind of heart you have. We know what kind of character you have. All of that has to be proven. Clap your hands into the Lord. Say amen. Real fast. I'm coming to a close, man. The anointing of the Lord's been here today. I pray this has been a blessing to your life. There is no way that I would have ever been able to finish this this work, and I'm not finishing. I'm not going anywhere. Amen. As far as leaving this work. But I'm just saying this. If I hadn't gone through with my the pastor that I had gone through, what I went through there. Amen. I would have not have survived the first church that I tried to pastor. I said, tried to pastor. Because I didn't know what was coming. When I took that church in Crane, I thought everybody's going to love me and everybody's going to love God. We're all going to have great revival and all go to heaven together. I found out they didn't love me, God, or hallelujah, anybody else. No, I'm, I, I, I think they love God, but I don't think they love me very well. Amen. I just I I got my eyes open. Praise the Lord. You with me here? But if I hadn't gone through training before I took that church, I would have not survived it. Amen. And if I hadn't gone through those two, there's no way I could have could have survived doing this work. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Praise the Lord. It, it, it it's not easy. Amen. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Thank you, Jesus. So God builds on the the battles you go through. He builds on. He gives you experience. He trains you. You go through things. You you learn things. Hallelujah to the Lamb. You get tempered. You get iron in your blood. You get tempered. So the next battle comes. It won't kill you. It won't destroy you. Because you have been built up. You've been trained to fight. And what would have killed you yesterday? Because of God's grace, He didn't let it happen to you. What would have killed you yesterday won't kill you today because of what has happened in the past, the experience, the training you've been through. Aren't you thankful for that? Hallelujah to the Lamb. Y'all all right? How many know sometimes people claim to be with you are not with you? Doesn't that hurt? Have you ever been hurt by people like that? I'm with you. Amen. Woo! I said, "Woo! How many you want your pastor with you? Yeah. Hey. Yeah. How many don't care? I got a couple of laughs. This is serious business, isn't it? Are you thankful today that what could have killed you yesterday, God's grace didn't allow it to happen? He's allowing it to happen now because you're strong enough. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise.
Are you a trained servant born in the house? 318. And the Bible said he pursued him to Dan. That's the location called judgment. Dan means judgment. We're going to take these armies to judgment by the God-man. The man of God and his armies. Hallelujah. Dan. The Bible says real fast. Because I know, you know, well, if I preach over an hour and a half, then that's when I lose you. Okay? So the Bible says, look at it very carefully. The Scripture says that He divided Himself against them, He and His servants by night. See, he, woo, he, Abraham had strategy. He separated. He organized. Right. Hear this. They're trained, Brother Daniel. But He says, we have a strategy we have to work. So we're going to divide in the sense that you're going to take this angle, you're going to take this angle, you're going to take this angle. And... Um, this is the way we're going to approach this. We just can't just run into battle. Amen? We have to have strategy when we get there. Amen? Hallelujah? I'm just going to let you in on a little bit, just a little bit, if it's God's will. See, a daughter back here is preparing for a conference in South Africa. Okay? And uh, praise the Lord. So, and, and when I talked to her, she said, okay, this is what I'm going to do, this is what I'm going to do, this is what I'm going to do, this is what I'm going to do. I mean, she's got it all laid out. Amen? I said, well, when do you need to leave? And she gave me the date. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank God, man. What am I going to do? I fly, you fly over there, get out of the plane. Hey, everybody. Don't even know what in the world I'm doing there. You know? And, and so she's talking about this conference and, and everything. And I said, well, I, I feel led of the Lord to go because He showed me before, when I first met her, before she, we ever talked about this, before she ever talked to me, I told her, the Lord showed me that I would go to South Africa and she would be in, involved in that ministry, okay? In South Africa. And I'd go with her, if you'll understand what I'm saying. So it's all coming to pass. Praise the Lord. Amen. Are y'all hearing me? But she said, I'm going to go and set up this conference uh, and I need an amount of time to do it and, and so on and so forth. And so I'm, I'm thinking that she was going to start the conference before I got there and she was going to do all the preaching. So I asked her the other day, I said, well, why am I going? I'm real practical. I said, well, well, why am I going? She said, to preach, Father. <laughs> hey, come on, somebody. That, that just, that's just practical stuff. Hallelujah. Amen. Am I going to sit in the pew and watch you? I, I'm all for that. I don't mind going to sit in the pew and let her go. Let her go. I told her, she can do all the preaching. I'll sit on the pew. Hallelujah. And I say, go, 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 go. I don't have any problem with that. Hallelujah to the Lamb. But I'm just telling you, that's a big thing. And there's strategy that's involved. There's things that have to be done. Amen. And I thank God, amen, that the groundwork's going to be laid. Thank you, Jesus. Because I don't want to just show up and jump off the place and say, hey, everybody, I'm here. Why are you here? Don't know, but I'm here. Praise the Lord. Y'all all right? Okay, so anyway. We can never say so anyway. So there's strategy involved. The Bible says He divided them. That means He organized them. He put them in order. He said, you're going to do this. You're going to do that. This is what's going to happen. We're going to battle. This has to be done. It's a real enemy. It's a real fight. Amen. You have to prepare 
Hallelujah for it. Now the Bible tells us, the scripture says as he divided them, he goes to war at night. Night warfare. I love it. I don't have time to preach that. But that's a, a principle of warfare. Night warfare. I wish I had time to preach it. Don't know what I would say. but Anyway, he goes on. And the Bible says, friend, when Abraham and these 318 servants trained by the Lord, they've been set in order and organized, they go into fight. The Bible says they chased them all the way to Damascus, Syria. That is 120 miles by foot. These guys are in shape. They are fit spiritually and physically and mentally. They are soldiers. Anybody that can run 120 miles or track, track the enemy down for 120 miles, they got it together. And when Abraham went to battle, he didn't just, you know, okay, all right, I won that one, got that victory, hallelujah. He took it to the end. He made sure the enemy was defeated completely. I'm going to chase him down until I get every last one of them. I'm going to, hallelujah, I'm not going to leave this job uncompleted, incomplete. I'm going all the way. Whenever you fight in this spiritual warfare, you've got to take the enemy completely and totally out. You can't leave him hanging around. You've got to go all the way. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. You gotta chase him all the way to Damascus. You gotta chase him 120 miles. You gotta make sure you finish this war, finish this battle, go all the way. Don't play games with it. God doesn't want us to start it and not finish it. He wants you to start it and He wants you to finish it. And it takes endurance. It takes endurance. You gotta keep on going. You gotta, you gotta get, I will not quit inside of you because we have not made it to heaven yet. My spiritual daughter said, she said, Father, she said, I don't wanna go to hell. I said, daughter, I don't either. I don't wanna go to hell either. This is serious business. We better do what God's telling us to do. You gotta have endurance to do it. You gotta get real The enemy wants to cut your head off. I told you before, he wants to decapitate every one of you. You better fight now before he gets at your doorstep. Did you hear what I said? There are plans to take your head off. There are plans to decapitate you. You better be prayed up. You better be ready before he comes to your door. In the name of Jesus, false religions, demonic spirits have got plans for you. You better be ready. I better be ready. Amen. Are y'all hearing you, Pastor? Are you hearing the Word of God? I don't care if you hear me. Are you hearing the Word of God? I'm not asking you to even believe what I'm saying. I'm just asking you to hear it. This is real, friend. Are y'all here with me today? 
Come on, I need some soldiers. I don't need people. God doesn't need people that are just going to come and sit on a pew. He needs somebody that will help, help fight this battle. Praying for you, Pastor. Interceding for you, Pastor. Praying for the church, Pastor. Interceding for the church, Pastor. God gave me a vision of the church, Pastor. I don't even know this church. I'm not even a part of it yet. But I'm going to pray for it. I'm interceding, Pastor. Because God showed me the vision. In the name of the Lord. Is there anybody here today that's really got it for God? That's really got a vision for God? Amen. Chased him 120 miles. Whenever you begin to do warfare, you can't leave it. I've already told you, you can't leave it stacked up in the closet. The stuff that goes against the Word of God. You can't have it in the closet where you can go get it later on. That's not a soldier. You will go get it and take it down off the top shelf of the closet. And you will fall. You got When you deal with sin, you've got to deal with it completely and totally all the way. And it's going to take strength and endurance. It's, you're going to have to fight. You hear me? Brother, when you get tempted, I want you to know, listen to me. Man, God, listen to me. You got a call on your life. And I want you to know the enemy knows it too. He sees anointing. He sees the potential that's there. He's going to send skirts to you. He's going to send temptation to you. If you're ever going to be used by God, you got to say no. And you got to deal with it severely. Does that make sense to you? If it does, give God a hand clap of praise. He's going to send an easier way to you. He's going to come on, shake it up. He's going to send an easier way. He's going to invite you into the world. No, I'm called by God. I've got a battle. I need to fight in the kingdom. I'm going to do what God's calling me to do. It won't be easy. Taste them all the way to Hobab, all the way to Damascus. And the Bible says in verse 16, he brought back all the goods and also brought again his brother Lot and his goods and the women also and the people. He rescued not only Lot, but he rescued everybody in Sodom and all, all the people. He rescued them too. And he rescued the provision. Everything that the enemy took, he defeated Abram. This man of God defeated him completely and totally. Got his brother back, Lot. Captured him. Also the people that were captured, he got them too. And he got all, everything, all of those material things. Hallelujah. You hear what your pastor's saying? Sometimes when you recover a brother, there's going to be some other people going to come to church with him. And when they come to church with the brother, you need to understand some of those people that Abraham rescued, they're going to give you trouble. They're going to give you trouble. See, he, he didn't just recover a lot. He got some people. He recovered some people out of Sodom. It's sort of like when you go and you recover a brother or a sister in the Lord and they bring people from the world. Those people that come from the world are going to give the church trouble. 
but he still recovered them. Are y'all here with me today? Give God some worship in the house. And I'm going to stop there. But right after this victory in battle, there are two kings that showed up. One was the king of Sodom. Offering Abraham the goods of the capture. He said, you give me the souls, you give me the people, and you can have the material things. And right when the king of Sodom shows up, when he's having that conversation with Abram, Melchizedek shows up and saves him just in time. You come back tonight, the Lord willing, and I'll finish preaching this message. And I'm going to show you what happens to every saint of God when you get a victory in God. What happens to you when you do? There will be two kings that will come to you. One is the king of Sodom and one is the king of Salem. Hallelujah. Thank God that the king of Salem showed up just in time. Hallelujah to the Lamb. And then right after that, right after these two kings, the king of Sodom and the king of Salem, in the 15th chapter of the book of Genesis, after Abraham turns down the king of Sodom, the king of all kings, the sovereign of all sovereigns, appears to him. So really you have three kings in the next few verses that will show up to Abraham. Hallelujah to the Lamb. And when this king of Salem, Melchizedek, appears to Abraham, it's going to change his life forever. So come tonight and we're going to look at these kings and the responses that Abraham uh, gave to these kings. They weren't the same. He didn't give the same attention to to these kings. Amen? Come tonight and hear the rest of the word of the Lord. Let's stand. Father God, we stand before you today. We first of all come before you, Lord, and we ask you to cleanse us with your blood. Cleanse us, God, of lust and sin. Cleanse us, Lord, right now from anything that would offend you, my God. Jesus, purify our hearts and our minds and our spirits and our bodies. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for what we have learned today in the Word of God. Lord Jesus, I pray that the preaching today has has snatched some of my brothers and sisters out of prisoner of war camps. I pray that the word that has been preached today would reach out and would have reached out and grabbed hold of that lukewarm saint's heart, that carnal saint's heart, Lord. I pray what's been preached today would would uh, inspire and encourage the true soldiers of the Lord to continue to fight the good fight of faith. I pray, Lord Jesus, use this church, God, to recover brothers and sisters that have been captured through ignorance by the enemy. Lord, we give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. 
I'm going to do something here today because I feel that of the Lord. Does this work for you? If it works for you, I want you to lift your hands. Does it work for you? We're going to do it God's way here. We have to do it God's way here. I don't want to go to hell. I don't want you to go to hell. we got to do it God's way. Amen? But does it work for you? It works for me. I believe. I don't, I don't just preach sermons to you. Uh, I believe what I preach. I don't just preach things. I don't just say things to you. I believe what I say to you. With all my heart. Amen. And I thank God for His Word. Because His Word makes us free. I said His Word makes us free. He didn't set me free. He makes me free. Amen. And I just want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. Because the enemy wants to come and he just wants to set on you. And he wants to make you, just, just give you this feeling of defeat and oppression. And, you know, don't step out. Don't get radical. Don't, you know, amen. Don't listen to the lies of the enemy. If I listened to his voice all the time, I'd never even come and stand in that pulpit. You have to fight back. You say, that, that, that's not you, God, saying that to me. That's my own mind. I, I'm a soldier. Amen? And, and I, I might not have been a very good one in the past. But I'm making up my mind now. I'm not going to be like I used to be. I'm going to fight. And I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be a holy man. A holy woman of God. And I want to see the enemy defeat it. Amen. Let me, let me say this to you. Some of you may not have been what you used to be or what you should have been. Let me say this. There's times when I'm not what I should be. There are times when I'm not what I should be. Amen. But I'm not going to let that define me. I'm going to make up my mind. I'm going to make the changes I need to make. And I'm going to live for God. And I'm going to fight. Hallelujah to the Lamb. And you got to fight too, because if you don't fight, you're already, you, you just, you signed, sealed, and delivered if you stop fighting. Okay? Amen? I'm asking you, does this work for you? Give it, lift your hand if it works for you. If it don't work for you, there's, a, there's about half a dozen churches in this town. You can go sit on the pew and be absorbed into the numbers. But that's not the goal here. The goal here, the life goal here is that we come under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That we become subdued by His monotheism and His the authority of His theocracy. That's the goal here. I'm going to say it again. If it don't work for you, why are you here? Does it work for you? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Because ain't no, there's nobody tying you down. I'm not trying to run you off. I'm just, we're bringing it to reality here. Servant or trained servants? Which one? You just like to be here? Or did you come here to do the work of God? To fight the fight of God? If that's you, lift your hand before the Lord today. Amen.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God bless this people right now, Father. The enemy tell, will come to me and tell me, you're too hard, Pastor. I'm not too hard. I'm just preaching to you the Word of God. Amen. Amen. I need God as much as you do. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor, and I want you to confirm it with your mouth. I want you to look at your neighbor. I want you to declare, I'm going to be a trained soldier. That means I'm going to let God put me through the test and put me through the trial. Hallelujah. And to failure point. To failure point. Amen. You got to see Brother Heath lifting weights, man. That guy, I can't believe how much that guy lifts. He's amazing. He's over there lifting these big, big heavy weights, you know. And I said, come on, one more, man. Like, you know, I'm a coach everywhere I go. <laughs> I said, come on, one more, man. I said, even if you can't get it all the way up, push it to failure. Because if you push it to failure, that's the goal. Amen? And then you get built up and get stronger the next He's going to lift even more, man. Hallelujah. I don't mind if he gets equal with me. I just don't want him to pass me. <laughs> Praise God. You've got you to push it to the point you think you can't push it anymore. Hallelujah. If you do, you'll get stronger. You'll be able to accomplish more in the kingdom of God. Thank you, Jesus. Say amen. Are you here? Trade servants. Now, I'm not, on this one, I'm not going to ask you to lift your hand because I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. There's some of you, you know you haven't given your all. You know what I'm saying? Let me put it to you. Some of you haven't given half of your all. I haven't given my all. I can never say I've given it all. And nor can you. But there's some of, some of us maybe haven't even started trying to give anything now, I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about you. It's time for God. God's saying to you, I want you. I want you to give me you. He said, give me your heart. God petitioning the petitioner. God requesting from the requester. Give me your heart. That's what he wants from you. Don't just come and be a spectator in the church. Give God your heart. I want to give you more of my heart, won't you? Hallelujah to the Lamb. And I pray that this has been a blessing to you in the name of Jesus. And I stopped it because I, I stopped the message because I already knew I was going to preach the rest of it tonight. Hallelujah. But God is good. He loves you. He wants you to be victorious. But you cannot walk around with your head hung down like this. You're going to have to get up out of that stuff. You're going to have to stop feeling sorry for yourself. That doesn't get you anywhere. Nowhere. Are you here? Praise the Lord. I, and I'm going to give you a carnal example and I'm going to let you go. How many of you ever watched Shark Tank? I watched Shark Tank from time to time. And these entrepreneurs, I call them entrepreneurs, not really, entrepreneurs, okay? Heavyweights in business, they have this show. And they have people come in and these people present their products or whatever, you know. Um, 
that they want to try to make a business out of. And these, what they call sharks, have an opportunity to invest in these people. Well, a lady went in the other day and uh, she wanted the sharks to invest in her business to help her get this business going. And she started focusing on defeats. She talked about her failure. She talked about this, that, and the other. And you know what the sharks did? One of the sharks says, I can't invest in you because all you talk about is your defeats. She said, I can't invest in you. Let me say this to you. You have got to get to a place where you stop living in the past and all the defeats of your past because I want you to know something. If all you live in is failure, You'll never be successful in the kingdom of God. You have got to stop feeling sorry for yourself. Get up and start fighting. And when you do, you'll start seeing things change in your life. The things that you don't like right now that you're living with, I mean some of you in the Holy Ghost, some of you are living in a mess. And you've had it. But you've stopped fighting. You need to make up your mind. I'm not living in my past. I'm not living in my failures. And I'm not going to talk about failure all the time. I'm going to, come on somebody. I'm going to get up out of this mess. I'm going to change this situation. I'm going to change who I am, who I am, and dedicate myself to God. And if you'll do that, not only will you be successful in your spiritual life, you'll be successful in your other areas, the other areas of your life. Hallelujah. Amen. And I want you to know I love each and every one of you. I love each and every one of you. I mean, y'all love me. Okay? Hallelujah. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, right now in your awesome name, I pray nobody be offended by what I've said. I pray God your word today would go forth into the hearts and lives of every individual in this church. Let them take it, let them make decisions based on this, this first mention of war in the Bible. And let them learn, Jesus, that we have been thrust into a battle like it or not. And we must fight. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. You're dismissed in the name of the Lord.